0: The napkin is now kept in an airtight bag for safety. Really, it should have a home in a football museum, or at the very least be on display at the Premier League's London HQ. Instead, David Dean guards and protects it. This six-inch square of paper, covered in slightly spidery handwriting, the blue ink just beginning to fade. With the required sense of solemnity, the former Arsenal vice-chairman presents it as you might an ancient artefact. In football terms... Perhaps it is one. For this is the document that revolutionised the game. A blueprint for transformation that dismantled a century of accepted thinking and forced football into the modern age. We are travelling west out of London Waterloo and have barely hit the suburbs when he proffers the ziplock in my direction. Do you know what that is? he asks. Confident that I won't have a clue. It's the first draft of the Founders Agreement for the Premier League the way the league was going to be set up, how the money was to be divided. All on a paper napkin I had to hand when we first decided something had to change. The we was Dean, the driving force behind change at Arsenal, his North London equivalent Irving Scholar at Tottenham Hotspur, the Manchester United chairman Martin Edwards and the Merseyside pair of Noel White from Liverpool and Philip Carter at Everton. In the late 80s and early 90s, these were the big five, a group of clubs who knew that without a seismic change, football was on a slow dive towards mediocrity. Exile from Europe post-Heisel had seen standards fall on the pitch, while facilities within grounds were an insult to fans. Add the blight of hooliganism and the significant fall in attendances, and football had become a pariah sport in the eyes of the government and large parts of society. Today, Dean uses the napkin as a prop on his numerous visits to prisons, part of his role in the Twinning Project, a charity he helped set up with the aim of rehabilitating offenders through football. More than 30 years ago, that napkin was the impetus behind the birth of the Premier League, a land grab that shook the game to its foundations and would ultimately lead to the former power brokers of the Football Association and the Football League becoming subservient, hapless onlookers. Football's Magna Carta had actually been drawn up in November 1990 at a dinner on London's South Bank, but its seeds were sown five years earlier by a series of tragedies. On the 11th of May 1985, 56 fans lost their lives and almost 300 were injured in an inferno at Bradford City's Valley Parade Ground, when a cigarette fell onto accumulated rubbish below a virtually decrepit wooden stand, which was soon engulfed in flames. On the same day, fighting between Birmingham City and Leeds United fans at St Andrews led to a wall collapsing, crushing a 15-year-old schoolboy, Ian Hambridge, who later died of his head injuries. Less than three weeks later, 39 people died at the Heysel Stadium in Belgium after violent clashes between Liverpool and Juventus fans, again causing the collapse of a wall in a stadium which an investigation would conclude was not fit for purpose. Yet while football as a whole seemingly refused either to listen or to learn from these horrific lessons, there was a realisation among the Big Five that the authorities were presiding over a decline of a sport that may have been slow, but was ultimately irreversible. The likes of Dean, Edwards and Scholar were, first and foremost, smart businessmen who had run major companies of their own and who knew their way around a balance sheet, were comfortable with the process of profit projection and margins and saw there needed to be a sea change in both the structure and the thinking at the heart of the game. A 92-club decision-making model was unwieldy, and benefited reactionary thinking, to the point where Dean's proposal for putting the names of players as well as numbers on the back of shirts was denied as some clubs would not have enough laundry room. In the face of this recalcitrance, an alliance was formed. As Martin Edwards explains, I became Manchester United chairman in 1980. David joined the Arsenal board a little bit after that and Irving Scholar took over Tottenham in 1982. We were all very similar football nuts. We were all dead keen. I think we all realised that under the 92-club Football League formula, the big clubs in England were never really going to reach their full, full potential. When I took over United, my big ambition was to catch Liverpool because Liverpool were the dominant club in England. But once you achieve that, you think, OK, we're capable of winning the league, we're capable of being successful, now who do you want to compete against? And you look at Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and you think, how are we going to be able to compete with them?